Well, thank you very much, Nigel, and it is a great pleasure to be involved in anything which is promoted by the Wessex Research Group. I thought perhaps today, not really knowing the understanding or the interests of so many different people, it might help if I were to give you a very brief outline of what is happening in the movement for natural therapies at the moment, and then just look at the energies which are involved in natural therapies because the energies are, after all, the most important thing. And these energies are what distinguishes natural therapies from conventional allopathic medicine. This will become a little clearer to you, I hope, later on. I shan't be saying very much, so there'll be plenty of time for questions, and if there is anything which I say, and there'll probably be a lot in which you fundamentally disagree, <coughs> please feel quite free to challenge any comment, and I will try and justify what I've said. One never quite knows how to begin to talk to any group, but I saw this morning four lines which seemed to me to perhaps sum up what I would like to put across today. They were written by G.K. Chesterton. As seeds in the black earth can turn into such beautiful roses, what might not the heart of man become in its long journey towards the stars? Could we have that one Certainly. As seeds in the black earth can turn into such beautiful roses, what might not the heart of man become in its long journey towards the stars? You will each of you interpret those lines in your own way. But for me, they encompass in a few words the essence of the pathway of life as the philosopher sees it. We're each of us growing within ourselves on three levels. On the physical level, on the mental level, and on the spiritual level. And I'm going to make a statement now which is quite dogmatic and say that 90% of disease results from some imbalance in the emotional or soul level of man. Obviously, we don't include fractured legs when skiing and ordinary cuts and bruises. But the majority of disease seems to emanate from areas of the superconscious. Therefore, it follows that the only way to treat these diseases is through man's mind and through man's heart. If we look at some of these different Therapies, perhaps I can then illustrate what I'm trying to say rather more easily. Let's look at homeopathy. Have we got a homeopathic uh, practitioner? Any chance? Oh, well, I'm on safer ground then. <laughs> the basis of homeopathy is briefly this. When you have a disease, that disease emanates in some form of physical symptoms on the physical body. Right? So if you've got chicken pox, the body has a series of spots. That is the body's reaction to chickenpox, to the virus. Now Samuel Hahnemann, who really discovered homeopathy way back 200 years ago, he had the idea that perhaps substances which when taken by a healthy person produced the same symptoms as the disease could well be used as a means of treating that disease. Now to give a simple explanation, you have a cold with running eyes and running nose. Now, when you're peeling onions, 
you also get running nose and running eyes. And therefore, in Harman's theory, the way to treat that, the best way, is by using an onion. But he <coughs> discovered that a far more complex and far more reasoned approach was to use a dilution of that function. So he reduced the active elements of the onion in alcohol. And he found that the less elements of, or the less number of atoms of onion in that alcohol, the more potent was the power to control the cold or the symptoms. And this to me shows that in the onion you have an element which can affect the physical frame of the body. But that there is also inherent in that natural substance some energy which can affect the immune system of the physical body as well. I don't know whether that sounds reasonable to you. I hope it does, because for years homeopathy has been one of the most successful of the so-called natural therapies. It's been consistently under fire by the medical profession because they say to them quite reasonably well, if you dilute all the active elements out of uh, a property, then what possible effects can that have on the physical body of the patient? And yes, it works. And it works, and it has been seen to work for all these years. Now, it's interesting that now, my doctor husband, who is working at the present moment at Hive, he runs an allergy clinic. And he has found that one of the best ways of treating allergies, once they have found the substance which is causing the problem, he finds that it's far less satisfactory to actually put the total substance into the person's body, but that he dilutes the energy. He dilutes that substance, and the more diluted it becomes, the more powerful it appears to be in its effect on the physical body, which is a present-day underlining of Samuel Hahnemann's original concept. So we have something in these natural plants, trees, natural substances, which has a profound effect. And I would suggest that we call them a subtle energy. We see the same sort of energies in medical herbalism because the herbalists use plants and various other substances again to treat disease with what appears to be a very much less uh, forceful effect than some synthesized drugs of today. So often the experienced medical herbalist will be able to produce a result, a gradual healing endeavor without the dramatic side effects. And when we recognize that it's been considered that up to 20% of hospital admissions today are because of iatrogenic illness, which is the result of taking drugs, then we see how important it is to look at the quantity of we take into the physical body. Another element of this force, this energy, Samuel Heinemann called it vital force, is again used in acupuncture. And the Chinese have been using this method of healing for about 4,000 years. And if you consider the physical body as rather 
the globe of the earth with latitude and longitudinal lines, you can really divide up the physical body of man in the same way. And those meridians on the body are lines connecting energy centers. And again we're in the realm of subtle energy. Now to try to clarify and bring this all together, if we move to yoga and the Eastern philosophies, we see the first mention of chakras and energy centers. Do you all know about chakras? Yes? Fine. Well then you will know that they are situated on various parts of the line and that those are the terminal points which take in the life force, the cosmic energy, which very often appears as white light with the clairvoyance. And as you know, when white light is presented through a prism, that white light is broken down into a series of colours. Now each chakra, according to Eastern philosophy, responds to a different colour. And therefore, for the clairvoyance, you can see the health of the person by looking at the energy produced from each of these chakras. If you want me to go into that later on in a little more detail, I'll try and do so. Again, we come back to this transmission and the reception of these natural energies. Unfortunately, man's mind, or rather his brain, is computed, is programmed at birth and through his education, so that today we very much come to disregard that element of self-responsibility. We seem to have forgotten that the quality of our lives is not only as a result of the social services, of the various other environmental factors, but it is within ourselves that we have that personal responsibility to look towards our own health and well-being. And very much can be achieved in the way in which we use our minds. Indeed, this is the reason why so many people are interested in meditation. Simple meditation and relaxation is a means of filling the active mind and allowing the computer of the brain to fill itself and remove the program which says, yes, you've got to be doing this, you've got to be doing that, you've got to be doing the other, you've got to be active, you've got to be anxious, you've got to be worried, you've got to be stressed. And it allows the brain's computer to become programmed to a more peaceful, a more reasonable, a more quiet situation. And once that peace, perhaps one might go as far as to say that peace which surpasses all understanding, once you have achieved that, then the total system of the physical body then comes into relaxation and the normal immune system is able to work to its fullest extent and we maintain our good health. It's now thought quite generally, that forms of stress are at the cause, the root cause of much disease. This doesn't mean that stress is not something that we can cope with. I come from the film and television world, and every day in that business one is coping with stress, one is working in a stressful condition. The body can cope with that, the mind can cope with it, but what it can't always cope with is months of that stress on end with no time for any peaceful regeneration. You'll be hearing later about spiritual healing 
which is very much the use of the mind and the use of the subtle energies. One aspect, uh, a sort of offshoot from spiritual healing, if you like, is radionics. And this is the most important area to consider. You're probably all familiar with the black box, which was first uh, invented in America, I believe, and then refined by George Delaware. And that is a means whereby the healer can link with the patient in a positive manner. How do they do? Nigel is ill. So he sends a lock of hair to the radionic practitioner and that is used as the witness. That is used as the contact point between the patient and the healer. The healer then places that witness on the radionic instrument and the energies from that portion of hair can then be translated through a series of dials so that the practitioner can find out the exact cause of the problem in the patient. Once that is done, the healer can then dial the machine to achieve a balance and to send out feelings to the patient so that they will get well. Some people refer to this as broadcasting healing. But I think most radionic practitioners would bolster that word, broadcast. They would rather have the word resonance. Is that right, Mrs. Rag? Yes. Thank you. Mrs. Rag is a radionic practitioner. And so the healer uses that black box to resonate, to get into sympathy with the patient and to broadcast the healing that is necessary. And I think, again, you would agree, Mrs. Rag, that no radionic practitioner views the box as anything more than an, a piece of equipment which is operated by the healer. The box has absolutely no powers on its own account. And the difference between positive and negative thinking has a dramatic and profound effect on the glandular system of the, of the body. Negative thinking has been shown to prevent the immune system working at full tilt. Positive thinking creates an immunity, in other words, to disease. Now, where shall we go from there? The environment is of vital importance as well, because it is from the environment that we receive these energies, these truly magnificent energies, which motivate the whole of our being. I suppose, having been brought up a practicing Christian, I've always been aware of the angelic forces. And I've always seen those angelic forces as being persons who were floating around with some tremendous energy and such tremendous love. A sort of guide, if you like. But recently, study and a little bit of perception, which may or not be true, I don't know yet, have brought a rather different shade of understanding. And I'd like to share that with you if I may, because if it's true, it will help to show how balanced, the balanced approach in all this work is vital. Because we have to keep both feet firmly on the ground whilst reaching towards the highest point of contact that we can. To illustrate this, 
and it, it's certainly not easy, but I'll, I'll try and bear with me for any imperfections. As a healer, I find that I link towards the sun or pure white light as the source of all energy and all love. And therefore, I put the sun at the top of my vision. I'm then aware in meditation of the power of the white light of God, white light of Christ, white light of healing, which seems to be transmitted from the cosmos through to the earth. To me, the power of healing energy is the difference between looking at, a, at an electric light and a thunderbolt. The healing light is so strong that it's just like a shaft of lightning which comes straight down. And from it, there is a radiation either side. Now also, that is the heavenly concept. But from the bottom, here, from the earth, is always coming the elemental energy, the life forces. It's expressed in yoga as the kundalini energy which rises up the spine. And this energy rises up that shaft of white light until it reaches the center when the two merge and those two energies become transformed into pure love. Love in its highest form as a total energy which is radiated out to everyone. As one looks at this sort of simple diagram, you can see a constant movement of energy coming from the earth, going up that there and flowing out and over either side, like a waterfall. And that movement is continuous. I then found a picture of St. George slaying the dragon. And that interested me because, again, one has virtually the same concept. Here is the power for good. Here is the sword of light and truth. And here at the bottom is the dragon. The dragon symbolizing the four elements of life, earth, air, fire and water. An animal living on the earth, able to swim in the sea, breathing air, but also breathing fire. And that really was the start of my investigation into this particular concept of energy transfer and the need to be firmly linked with the land, with the soil, as well as having one's head in the cloud. And also, it's not difficult to see, I hope, that the traditional idea of an angelic being as someone with wings could well be that the response to that and any clairvoyant or person with perception can go out and look on the top of specific hills and see that sort of psychic emanation and it may well be that some of you have already done this. So we see that our environment <coughs> is of vital importance but also the environment which we create around us has equal importance because we are the physical manifestation of that being which I've just shown you. We have the capabilities of standing four square on the soil 
our feet on ground. We have the energy through the spine. We have our heads which can reach out. We can receive these cosmic energies through the top of the head. And if you have the energies from the ground coming up the spine and coming in from the top of the head, they can be made to meet at the heart chakra. And that then becomes pure healing love, which is then transmitted towards the medium. And this I would suggest is one of the purposes of meditation, and is one of the purposes of life today, to learn to be the intermediate channel of life for this healing love. And love, not in its sexual context so much, but love being the most powerful organ, the most powerful force in the world today, is what we all share. And just as that angelic light being was giving out a radiance, so each and every one of us gives out a radiance. And that radiance can be felt by the person who is sitting next to you. And you will affect the person who is sitting next to you. And you will be affected by the person who is sitting next to you. And that is why so many healing groups like to start with some time for meditation so that people can attune themselves to the other people in the room. It's very easy to see what can happen when things go wrong. You get toxic, various uprisings, because people are receiving energy which are not always being created in a most constructive and natural way. And we all have this problem of getting abundant energy but wondering how to utilize it in the most creative manner. I hope I haven't stayed on that subject too long, but I think it is important because it does link the energies which are used by all these alternative therapist practitioners. I was watching a, a demonstration the other night by Colin Dove, who is past uh, president of the Osteopathic Association and he was giving a marvellous exposition on cranial osteopathy <coughs> in which he held the patient's head in his hand and he said I'm not going to do anything I'm just going to become part of this person's head I'm going to become part of this person's breathing and I'm going to ask that as we come together, the tension, the pulse of the body will be relaxed and that the problem will go. Now Colin wouldn't describe that as spiritual healing, but it is a form of healing and as you'll be hearing later, it is the sort of healing that people like Doreen Kirkbride will do because the essence of any healing is to help the person come to terms with their own problems. Each patient must heal themselves. Alright, the healer can channel energy to give them a start. But it is totally wrong for any patient to become dependent upon any single healer. The object is progression, understanding and development within ourselves. I hope that doesn't sound too dogmatic. But I really do believe that it is the basis on which we should be working. We have a personal responsibility, and this is all important. 
If you're endowed with clairvoyance or clairaudience, which is the uh, facility of actually seeing or hearing, then one's ability to diagnose very carefully and deeply is very much more pronounced. But there are many healers who don't have that particular gift. We all have the ability to heal each other. We all can emanate that energy. But the effectiveness of that and the way in which it is used comes with understanding and with training. So I think one's got to say some people will be able to discard the box but other people will continue to use it. Just as some people like to diagnose using a pendulum which is a terribly simple method of doing it. Now, the use of that pendulum is only as good as the intention of the person using the pendulum and also it's only as good as the ability of the person using the pendulum to divorce their own thoughts from the act. Because this pendulum can only be motivated by a sort of muscular, skeletal uh, energy which comes down the arm. And if you think that going to the right is going to be yes and going to the left is going to be no, then immediately you think, oh yes, yes is the answer to that, it goes to the right. And immediately you say no, it turns around and goes to the left. And that is an involuntary thing. What we're trying to do if we use the pendulum is to get to a stage where you say, now wouldn't it be interesting to find out the true answer to that and formulate the question in such a way as there can be only one answer. And that is the training on the pendulum. I'm not expert on this, I don't use it. I simply put that to you as a point for anyone who's interested in this particular type of dialing. We haven't talked about dialing, but that's another very useful way of finding where the energies are blocked, whether they be in the soil or whether they be in the physical body. Healer is simply a channel for that energy which we can't see to be transformed into an energy which the patient can use. In general, uh, patients who are grown up have to play some part in their overall health control. That's not to say that they, don't, they may not receive healing <coughs> for some time without knowing that they're getting it. But in order to overcome the problem on a permanent uh, degree, then one usually has to see some alteration in the mode of life or mode of thinking. Now, children, animals, they receive healing wonderfully well. Largely, I suspect, because they've not been programmed to suggest that it doesn't work which is what happens to most of us throughout our education. And the important thing is that whereas ten years ago journalists were quietly sort of putting the whole thing down, of course you can believe this if you like, but in my view it's a load of rubbish. Nowadays, once they have the elements explained to them, as we try to do when they come, <coughs> then they find that there is something that is logical and totally reasonable. And when they go along and talk to a practitioner who again is not in any way intolerant of the other therapist then they realise that there is something here. And the case is usually made waterside when they visit patients who have been successfully treated when the medical profession has apparently failed. Each person is an individual and one of the extraordinarily difficult operations that any therapist has is to get into resonance with that patient or with that person who's coming for help. 
I frequently tried music, I tried readings, oh, a variety of ways. But if one can only proceed, invariably one manages it. I'm trying to give some healing to Nigel. Now, Nigel is someone who is suffering. Now, he may be suffering, I don't know. <laughs> now, his higher self, his super consciousness, is very much aware, his soul, if you like, is very much aware of a problem within the physical body. The soul of the healer is aware of that problem. And spiritual healing is a meeting of the souls of the healer and the soul of the patient. It's easy to understand, call it the spirit of the healer and the spirit of the patient. And therefore, it is up to the healer to stand aside and become a, a channel so that Nigel's spiritual self can have channeled the energies that are required for Nigel's healing. Well, what about his aura? Though? His aura is simply a reflection of all that goes on in Nigel. It's just a reflection. It's nothing more than that. If you see certain degraded colours in the aura, all that does is tell you that the object that is emanating that degraded colour is in need of help. So therefore, if necessary, you can focus healing onto that particular area. Yes. Other healers who are not clairvoyant feel it as a sort of radiating heat. And therefore they go exactly where the heat is. But you see, all these, all these therapies come together because they're using these subtle energies. I think one of the most important things about any aspect of work to do with counselling, to do with other people's problems, you do need protection. You only need the protection as long as you are training. Once that channel of energy is open and functioning fully, then protection is no longer necessary. Because all you're trying to do is to prevent yourself being drained. There are a number of ways you can achieve this. You can either sign and seal each of the chakras with a cross of light and a circle, again using the white light. You can surround yourself in a spotlight of white light, like an egg shape, and feel yourself surrounded by light. Or you can simply put on a cloak with a hood and wrap yourself in it, and make sure it's under the feet. And that again is uh, just a mental exercise to close down all the senses. It really is so simple. I think if, if I may, it's probably about time yeah, we conclude you're probably all well aware of the great invitation but I think that that perhaps sums up very well all that I have tried to say this afternoon and perhaps we might those of you who know it let us just quietly say it together those of you who don't well perhaps if you'll just bear with us from the point of light within the mind of God let light stream forth into the minds of men let light descend to earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out 
and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you very much, my friend, for allowing me to share this. Well, thank you very, very much indeed. I appreciate that.